You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Welcome back to the Voluntary Vixens podcast. This is Maddie, your co-host. I'm joined as usual by me, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse, nobody can see you raising your hands. <laughs> I'm doing like a raise the roof dance, sort of. Just a little one. Are you in a closet? Are you recording in a closet? <laughs> no. I'm in my room. Okay. Okay. Good. We don't want you in a closet. <laughs> well, Jesse and I today are joined by a new Instagram friend we just made, but actually she's probably been following us for a little bit, but I just, we've, we say it before guys, like we really do like appreciate everybody who follows us, who listens to our podcast. Like it's crazy that we have a podcast. It's crazy that we have followers or people who let listen to us. We've never met you, but you know, we feel close to all of you and really appreciate you and, you know, reach out, talk to us. We love talking to you. And, um, I just think it brings us all closer together. And when the world is trying to tear us all apart, I think that's more important than ever. And so with that being said, Embry joins us today. Hey, I'm so excited to be on here with you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just messaged actually your voluntary vinyasa account. Um, yes. this weekend and was, you know, sharing that I'm a yogi too and a voluntarist. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's another person out here who <laughs> is like me. Like, I can't believe it. Um, you know, I'm, I feel super isolated a lot, um, with it's definitely lonely. Yeah, it's lonely. Um, and you know, honestly, I'm to the point in my life where like, I just don't even bring it up a lot of times. I feel like I just stay clammed up and don't share my thoughts and opinions. So when I see people out there on the internet who are, you know, interested in these same types of ideas and share common hobbies, I'm like, oh, we got to get connected. So, you know, as much as social media uh, and Instagram is, you know, not not the best place, I'm really happy that um, it's a place where I can connect with other people. So I'm excited to be talking to you all today. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And I mean, we've said before. And we say it all the time, like, and you're right, like, social media is pretty toxic and yep. can be really terrible and can ha be a platform for, play like, just the worst kinds of conversations or you can't even call them conversations when people are just, like, yelling at each other from the safety of behind a screen and some degree of on anonymity why can't i say the word anonymity <laughs> oh my lord anyway but um <laughs> yay for the the community that we've been able to find and um you know it grows every day and so yep yeah, uh like Embry said she reached out to me on my my yoga account and shameless plug if you don't follow me there too obviously you know and follow us on uh voluntary vixens podcast on instagram but for my yoga and mindfulness and where i try to not be so obviously political but i think i make 
the point known um, that I would prefer a um, voluntary society and try to approach things uh, using the non-aggression principle as the guide. And, you know, like really simple things or you think things would be very simple, but I try to like, you know, just be a platform that promotes that to a community that unfortunately and if you've ever listened to my libertarian and yoga podcast episodes before it's like a very empty (laughs) a very empty um empty area there's nobody that seems to be as um truly free or liberty loving at all and um so you know just classic um kindness is everything people that it's it couldn't be less true which is so crazy right because it seems like yogic philosophy would align with the non-aggression principle and being a voluntarist and that's why it's so wild to me that you get into those spaces and you can't find people who are espousing any sort of ideas like that i mean most people in yogic circles are on the political left and not only are they on the political left, they really make it known and they really have it, you know, in your face pretty often. Um, if you follow like yogic accounts, I mean, it's pretty much everywhere you go. You're, it, it's like I said, when I was like, oh my God, voluntary vinyasa, what? Like the, it just doesn't <laughs> exist out there. I mean, I look mm-hmm. around and, and especially not, you know, in your own, in your own studio And, you know, I do teach some yoga. And so since I'm a teacher there, I really try not to be political in that space because I know that. You're the only one then. Yeah. Because everybody else will. Yeah. Been there. Been there, done that. Yeah. Been there, done that. And I don't go to yoga classes anymore because. Right. I know. And, you know, I did listen to that podcast, your libertarian and yoga podcast. And, uh, you know, I related so much to. Um, you're coming into this space to, you know, get centered and, um, you know, at the, at the cubby, the talk is the, the political headlines of the day. And you're like, man, I'm here to get centered, to get grounded, to get away from the world and everything that's going on in the world. And I walk in and that's immediately what I hear, you know, and it, it, it's so hard to practice um, when, you know, you just overheard that conversation happening in the studio. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it feels really good to be connected with you and, um, be talking to another voluntarist who's also a yogi. There's just not that many of us out there. <laughs> there really aren't. And so, um, you know, you and I talked, um, before recording and before deciding to record, obviously that we'll do a, I'd love to do some kind of collab, um, at some point And we can actually talk about like, the specifics and how if you actually study yoga and the principles of yoga, they really are in line with libertarianism, voluntarism. And it's just like, it should be common sense for everybody. But, you know, um, so it sounds like also when we were talking, you have other things and other specialties going on in your life that I thought would be useful to bring to our platform and talk to because, you know, listeners, if you've been with us for a while or, you know, the past whole year and a half, if you're the dedicated listener who's listened to every episode of ours, <laughs> I love you. Um, and thank you. I like, wow. Um, but so recently I've been trying to 
find ways to not just talk about COVID or not just talk about how much we hate politics. Because, like, it's a political podcast, yeah, but we hate politics. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just where we fall. And because it's, oh, we hate politicians is really it. So, yeah, you know, what I wanted to do was um, kind of give listeners, well, and really, like, selfishly, have the conversations ourselves, but also give listeners things to think about um, like that would actually be something that they could do and practice and look into in their own lives. So if anybody listening, you know, we talked to one of our friends about homeschooling. Uh, We talked to one of our um, Instagram friends about the fact that she's basically feeding her family on less than an acre of land (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i just find that so impressive and um yeah so i wanted to hear more about what you kind of do or you're interested in and um really you know what your instagram profile was and why that's so unique and what that can bring to the space yeah so um me and my husband are really interested in permaculture, um, which is a regenerative agricultural practice. Um, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, the bare bones definition of what permaculture is. It can encompass so many other things besides, you know, just working with the land, but working with people, working with communities. Um, And, you know, I just like, I love that you're talking about homeschooling. I mean, I just see it as a way to deinstitutionalize, right? Just to detach from the systems that are regulated by government. So, I mean, and, and that's, I mean, that's such a huge part of it for me personally and why I was drawn into the regenerative agricultural movement is because I'm like, dang, if I'm going to be an anarchist, then like, I got to kind of <laughs> like walk the walk a little bit. Like I got to figure out how is it that I can be a sovereign individual. Um, and I mean, so, I mean, all humans eat, like mm-hmm. we all got to eat. Um, and our food system is in total shambles. Um, and mostly because of government regulations and the way that the FDA operates and big ag lobbies. Um, yeah. And I feel like permaculture is just a way for the individual to turn away from that. Um, so, you know, you said you had a friend who's feeding her family on less than an acre. We're not anywhere close to that. That's the goal. That's the dream. Um but we we are, you know, out here um, on six acres in Kentucky, uh, trying our best. Um, you know, our our wabi sabi permaculture um, is what we we've called ourselves. Um, but we really just got it gotten started in the last year. Um, so I guess my story and our story is more of like what this looks like when you're first getting started. And, you know, and when you're on Instagram and you're in this social media space, you start following all these accounts and there's these people who've been doing it for years and years and years. Um, and, you know, they've built these beautiful gardens and these beautiful farms and it's amazing. Um, but you have to start somewhere. <laughs> and so for most people, that's with a, a lawn of grass, right? Um, and that's what we have here. Um, so my, I mean, we're just trying to shift basically, um, our lawn of grass, um, to things that we can eat or things that we can consume, um, or even just things that are beautiful things that, um, feed the bees, things that feed the birds, um, creating a healthier ecosystem. So, you know, environmentalism is another one of those spaces, regenerative agriculture Mm, that's dominated by 
left-wing people. Um, yep. So, you know, in this space, just like the yoga community, um, there's really not a whole lot of liberty-loving people who have, you know, these ideas about the non-aggression principle and how this could play into permaculture and how they all are really intertwined together. Um, so, you know, I feel like we're kind of standing alone in that space too. And, you know, I, I won't, I'll admit, like, I was a little bit anxious to come here and talk with you guys and sort of out myself as <laughs> a person on a liberty loving person, um, because it's just not in vogue, especially in um, this regenerative agriculture place. Most people are, you know, social justice, you know, left leaning people. So, um, you know, uh, and, you know, as a millennial, it's like, it's all around me all the time. I mean, I hardly yep. meet people my age Same. who are on the political right. I mean, and even if they are, it's like, we're all so quiet and we're all so afraid to say it out loud that, you know, <laughs> it's hard to even build community around that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're doing permaculture. It's all about soil health, um, building the health of the soil first, um, I mean, me and my husband aren't really interested in making money um, straight away. What we're more interested in is feeding ourselves um, and, you know, improving the land. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'm a capitalist. I hope that we can make money at some point down the line um, with this. And I think it's super marketable. Um, I think that a lot of people um, are interested in growing their own food. Um, and I know we're trying to avoid the dreaded COVID conversation, but I think that COVID has opened- We can talk about it. <laughs> COVID yeah. has opened a lot of people's minds to, man, maybe things aren't as stable as I thought they were. Maybe going to the grocery store isn't a given like I thought it was. Um, so it I- It clearly I, wasn't. Yeah. So um, I, see, I see people shifting and changing and wanting to- um, at least, you know, grow some herbs and some pots or uh, throw some tomatoes and peppers out in the backyard. And I think that that's where it all really starts. Mm -hmm. Especially since like governors like, uh, I can't remember the one that from, that's from Michigan that wouldn't even let people buy seeds. You Whitmer! Yeah, and you start to realize how... She banned seed? Oh yeah, she, didn't she have like restrictions on the sword? Yeah, you yeah. start to realize how important that really is. That you didn't realize was so important, you know, before everything was taken from us, basically. Right. I mean, it, it, I see it written all the time and on social media that, you know, it only took two generations for Americans to forget how to sustain themselves off the land. And I think that most people don't even really consider it. And, you know, more and more people move to the city every year and live urban lifestyles where it's not even an option anymore. Um, and people aren't considering, you know, where does my food come from? How do I get it? How does it get to the grocery store? Um, you know, and again, COVID, and I love that you're bringing that up about the governor mm -hmm. who, if you went to Walmart, you could buy these items, but you, you couldn't buy seeds. That wasn't an essential <laughs> item like food, like growing food isn't something essential to human beings and human life. So I know it's, it's really fascinating uh, the mindset around our food system and how disconnected we are from the food system. Yeah. And we're, I think the thing is, is that we just, I don't know, I think just not, not getting access, like even to this day, even though a lot of things have gone, kind of gotten back to normal, 
there's a lot of stuff that you still can't find in the grocery store because the supply chain has been totally broken up. And we, we don't, we just take for granted that we're always going to have like these certain things that we're always going to see on the shelves, but they may not, you know, but this whole situation has changed that. Um, so yeah, I think that just taking for granted the fact that we had, um, we had this amazing supply chain that got disrupted that we don't even and they're trying to totally, third world us. Yeah, they don't we just don't even appreciate it, I don't think. And then there's, you know, well, then we also have to think about like the food that we that we can easily get is food that is terrible for us. Yep. You know, yep. completely unhealthy stuff is high in, you know, was it corn fructose syrup and um, high fructose corn syrup? <laughs> yeah. I mean just highly processed carbohydrates it's and it amazes me still garbage food yeah it's actually it still amazes me that some people think that just eating like a lean meat and a vegetable is not as healthy as like eating rice for example i'm like rice is empty carbohydrates it has no value (laughs) other than to fill you up for like maybe a minute or two and then you're hungry again i mean it really just goes to show the, the propaganda is strong and it's in- included in the messaging on what we eat, what's healthy. You know, we've bashed and talked about the awesome government food pyramid before. <laughs> or actually, maybe I was bashing that on um with Nick Picone, um, Peace Freaks. <laughs> and just, you know, what we've been told is healthy and like a good solid well-rounded diet well-rounded like include everything it's like mm, you should probably like pick and choose certain things and um maybe avoid that bottom tier almost entirely um yeah maybe not entirely but just be selective and don't have 11 servings a day like the government told you was a good idea 11 because servings of like, of what? Re- bread per day. Like, I know. Yeah, no, what I said was, was like, are you just like eating loaves of bread all day? I, I don't understand. And, um, you know, so I think where people don't realize, most people, I should say, like people like us three, for example, we do know and we see every day and, you know, we probably see more and more every day and we're always awakened to just more government infiltration but they really are in every aspect of our lives and people are always like the left i should say is like hey get out of our bedroom it's like they're in our bedroom they're in our pantry they're in our bathroom they're in our closet they're they're literally everywhere our backyard they're telling us how to have sex now (laughs) you know i mean good (laughs) great more more control right and the the thing is is that you know the brain gut axis is real and that like our gut health impacts our mental state and our brain health. So Mm -hmm. if we want to make healthy, rational, thoughtful decisions as self-governing people and we're being fed garbage food and we're eating garbage food, we're not going to be able to do that. I mean, brain Mm -hmm. health starts in the gut. So it really is them control. It really is control like on another level. Because yeah. I've never even thought about it as far as that before, but I've had, I think I've you're had thoughts like that. <laughs> I've had thoughts, you know, when you think about it. Okay. So like, um, 
government has put fluoride in the water system because fluoride, mm-hmm. I mean, it is true to some extent, like fluoride, it does make your teeth stronger. It binds with calcium, prevents, ca- you know, cavities from happening. But you only need like so, such a tiny amount of fluoride that if you're just sitting there drinking and city you really water. You need like other vitamins. Yeah. If, but if you're yeah. sitting and, and your main source of water is coming out of the, the tap, you are probably taking in way more fluoride than you should be. Absolutely. And, and and how many how many time do you see that does the CDC have a whole like warning don't drink tap water no of course they don't and yeah of course not and then uh, another thing too is that like they have like certain like when you think about vegetables like I'm in I'm from the south you know so I've learned that ve- like corn and potatoes are like vegetables <laughs> right and you know. That they're they're considered healthy foods, but I mean, it has been so long to deprogram my brain from thinking about corn as healthy, because let me just say that corn. There's a reason why when they they make jokes about your poop, that they know that you ate corn because your body literally is not <laughs> absorbing anything in there other than the starch. That's it. So maybe it's good to bulk up your poop. But it's not providing you much else. You know, you might as well eat bark. It's funny, no matter what. Right, but that powerful, powerful old corn lobby makes sure that corn is cheap. That's it. Corn is accessible. You can make other foods out of corn. So, of course, why would the government send out information telling you, you know, corn is not a healthy vegetable choice. It's a starch. It's a filler. Um, When, you know, the corn lobby is sending millions of dollars every year to politicians to make sure that corn stays king. Right. I mean, so, yeah, and it, it really does. I mean, the the gut health I mean, sends neurotransmitters to your brain that influence anxiety, they influence concentration, they influence your reward centers, they influence your motivation. So if you do not have a healthy microbiome, a healthy gut, then you can't make rational decisions for yourself. You literally cannot think clearly. Exactly. (laughs) And and how many have us, I mean, grain brain, it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, something that really got me into, um, you know, shifting my diet and then eventually into wanting to grow my own food um, was the book Brain Maker. Um, And it is just all about what we're talking about right now, which is the fact that your gut is the primary influence to your brain health. Um, And we know, obviously, obesity Um, has increased over time and neurodegenerative diseases have increased over time and they're directly correlated with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if, if we're going to be self-governing, if we're going to be self-sovereign, then we have to be our best, most rational selves or it's not going to work. So that's why, I mean, gut health is so important. And what does gut health start with? Like what you put in your body, what you feed it. Um, And, you know, we need diverse guts Um, We need guts that have a diverse amount of bacteria, a diverse microbiome. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where it connects back in with permaculture because permaculture is all about having a diverse ecosystem. And a diverse Mm -hmm. ecosystem creates diverse soil. Diverse soil grows good vegetables that have diversity that we put into our body. So it's really, it's really all intertwined. It's interconnected. Uh, you know, if you're growing your food in a diverse ecosystem and you're feeding your ecosystem with that, your microbiome with that, 
um, then you're creating not only a healthy ecosystem here on Earth, but a healthy ecosystem in your body. Um, so, I mean, the connection between our food and our ability to live our best life is is so evident when you start really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And it really is just like common sense. Like, this is all stuff we know, but <laughs> even some of the points you just made, it's like, I forgot about that. And... I'm like the first to assume the worst about the government and that they're controlling us in every which way. But honestly, like that is such a direct attack on <laughs> yeah. our ability to think for ourselves. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Like, it's and you so know, true. I, okay. So I teach at a private school, but we're still getting like food services from the government because of COVID like free food services and what these kids get and that's is that normal like no or is that, that is or is not that like it's, happening, it's happening in tennessee COVID too. is scary and we need food y'all it's chocolate milk and donuts and animal oh crackers my god and just i'd rather know I, I mean like it's it's what? scary and so much milk y'all gets delivered to our school that the kids don't drink the milk lobby is yes, thank you. paying the government to send our school milk that the kids don't drink. It, it's, I love, gotta love a stimulus okay. bill with this is wild. Like pork the and, milk and issue, milk. The milk issue has made my grandmother pissed off at me because when I finally learned about how unhealthy milk really is for us, like I just started preaching that to everybody that I knew because it was like this amazing amount of information I just learned. And my grandmother was like, well, I'm still going to drink milk. I don't care what you say. And my grandmother has to take, you know, she has to go and get like supplements for like prescribed to her for calcium deficiency. For some, for a woman who thinks that milk is so healthy for her and drinks milk religiously, you would think this would not be a problem that she's having, right? Yeah. If it, if it was a problem solving supplement or, you know, dietary item. And it seems like in it's not. <laughs> I've noticed that like I, the I had a um a chiropractor who actually taught me he talked to us about this because bone health is kind of important to a chiropractor. So he he was our physiology teacher and he told us about this and um one of the things that he mentioned was that why is it that in America women almost always have osteoporosis like we're going to have that as a risk factor because as we get older we lose estrogen and estrogen without estrogen our bones become more porous but why is it that in our country it's so much of a problem but in third world countries like india for example where they don't drink milk or china like my husband is chinese he doesn't drink milk like Chinese people don't give a shit about milk You're probably or cheese. Like he doesn't even eat cheese. Like it's just like not even like in his brain. So to even we've eat been cheese. sold that milk is going to be a sufficient source of calcium, but and it's, it's not. not. And then the on top of that, we have a garbage diet that doesn't yeah. include fresh foods that it's, actually do have calcium that we need. Yes. To there's sustain lots, our bone health. And, and not to deny the fact there's lots of calcium in milk. There's tons of it. But the problem is, is that first off, it's cow's milk and the process of our body to break it down and use it is going to be a lot harder on our stomachs and a lot harder on our system. But on top of that, we also use a 
process of pasteurization that denatures the enzyme that is in, naturally in milk that would help our body to make that connection and absorb it. So when we pasteurize all these foods, especially milk, we, we denature a lot of these proteins that are, are these enzymes that our body could absorb the nutrients from. So that's something to consider. That's why I don't like, um, I actually did a little experiment last year over the holiday season. I decided I was just going to just eat whatever I wanted to and just see like how I felt. And I was deeply depressed. I, I, I was so depressed and I was, I was working out every day and it didn't fix it. And it's just, I couldn't get over that hump. When I finally cut back on everything, like the grains and the milk, I felt a thousand times better, even though I was still going through the pandemic and the lockdowns that was depressing me, but I felt a markedly different in my mood and everything. Once I cut out all of those things like sugar, I mean, that's pretty much what milk is. It's lactose, you know, it's a sugar and sugar just does something to your body. It's just, it, it's inflammatory. It, yeah, it just that's the what makes you have a brain fog. And it's a drug. I mean, and when I was just newly a nurse or I was just studying all the taking all these prerequisites to be a nurse, like one of the studies that I that I decided to write a paper on was about the inflammatory process and how inflammation plays such a huge role in depression. And one of the things that they were talking about in the study is they would look at the brains of people who committed suicide. And they would find just a large amount of cytokines, and which is an inflammatory mm -hmm. uh, protein. Um, and it was just like, why? And I was just remember like reading the study and I was like, what? I had been a therapist for like seven years and never heard that. I was told like just their, their serotonin is out of whack. We just need to give them all these drugs and put them on that and that will fix that, right? Or really just need to talk it out and maybe see a therapist for 17,000 years but, and never solve a problem. And for $17,000. <laughs> yeah, and never really solve the issue because maybe the problem is their diet. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, natural solutions are so powerful. And I think that we've gotten very disconnected from natural solutions where, you know, when people are experiencing, you know, mental health issues, that they're not necessarily considering, you know, what is my diet? What is my water intake? You know, what is my exercise level? How much sleep am I getting? And of course, it's not to say that any of those things can cure any sort of mental condition. I just think that we're disconnected from considering those things first and then going to seek secondary help if we've gotten those things in check and they're still an issue. Right. Well, I think it's all a balance. Like it has, you have to do all of those things because as somebody who does suffer from depression, one of the things that you do when you are depressed is you stop caring or taking care of yourself. So, I mean, it's all goes hand in hand. You have to do all of it. I mean, you might need to see a therapist, but you also need to probably, especially if you're really down, you probably need to really cut back on sugar intake and carbohydrates Maybe just you, maybe you do need to be on like a keto kind of diet for a while until you regulate back and then you can slowly introduce a little bit back, but you might need to do that. That might be something you, that you don't realize, but it will 
make it will clear your brain. I don't know how to explain it, but you will. It's like you're waking up and you can think clearly again. You're clearing. I mean, the way I see it is that you're clearing the inflammation. And you know, I'm yeah. not a healthcare professional. Like most of what I know is from setting my own body and you know mm-hmm. doing yoga um, and you know talking with my my mentor there. Um, but I have an autoinflammatory disease, and so I started mm-hmm. really paying attention to my diet and how my diet impacted that autoinflammatory disease. Um, and I know that exactly what you just identified, sugar, gluten, dairy are the mm-hmm. number one triggers for my autoinflammatory disease. Um, and inflammation is related to neurodegeneration, like the active breakdown of our neuro, neural cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, in my family, there's arthritis, there's Parkinson's disease, there's Alzheimer's, and those are all neural degenerative diseases that are co- d- directly connected with in- inflammation, psoriasis. Um, so, yeah. you know, I knew that, you know, I had to get the inflammation in my body under control and my diet was the first avenue of doing that. Um, and, you know, that was in my early 20s and, you know, I was... It was a difficult time. I mean, I had really intense chronic flare-ups of my disease. I was in a bad mental state. um, And that's when I went to seek out yoga. And then through my yogic studies, that's when I started to change my diet. And then that's when I got connected to the permaculture um, Mm -hmm. community and regenerative agriculture because I was just like, okay, well, now I'm eating all these vegetables and having these proteins, but where are they coming from? And, you know... Um, how are they being produced and am I intaking even more chemicals that I'm not sure about that are inflammatory Mm -hmm. that, that I don't know. Um, so it, it, it's all connected together for sure. The, the story of, um, you know, the inflammation, the brain health, the gut health, and then trying to navigate that by making personal choices and taking personal responsibility for my health, um, by wandering down some of these avenues. I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on, like, vegans or just people who are on a just purely plant-based diet? I mean, I, I, I really don't have any commentary on that. I mean, I'm not really sure. I, I think that whatever works for people works for people. Um, you know, I, I have several vegans in my life, and, you know, they say that they, they are staying healthy Um, you know, I know that they have to navigate their choices much more closely than somebody who's Mm -hmm. consuming animal products or consuming meat. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't really have commentary on that. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not sure. I mean, I know, you know, you listen to all of this information and, you know, there's people who do go vegan and they're like, this is the worst I've ever felt. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. This isn't working for me. And then there's people that go vegan and say that this is the best thing that I've ever done for my health. Um, so, you know, I think that there's all kinds of, you know, is it your blood type? You know, is it, you know, your upbringing? Is it, you know, your environment that you're in? Is it the status of your own gut health and the balance of the bacteria in your own gut that influences those things? I'm not really sure. But I mean, if people want to go vegan, I mean, it's, they're free to do that. (laughs) Right. I just wonder if it's like, you know, when I, like, I see these documentaries that show up on Netflix that say like this cured my cancer by just going on a purely plant-based diet. And I just have a hard time thinking like there's just one diet that fixes all. And I think it's um, some people, and I do think that some people can tolerate more carbohydrates than others. I think it all is, you know, individual. 
Um, I have tried to, like my husband, he eats a lot more carbohydrates than I do. I've tried to eat on his diet and it just does, I can't, I don't feel, I just feel completely drained, but you know, he's made a, he's not a, he's more of a pescatarian. He doesn't eat meat, but fish meat basically. And I hate fish, so I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I I can eat crabs and, and lobster, but you know, I just well, cannot. You are, when you're from the south, inland. there's no fresh seafood here. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. if it ain't fresh, then let's not eat it. <laughs> it's unless you're talking about catfish, and I think catfish are, is disgusting. So some people like it, but I mean, you have to literally fry the hell that out of it for that. it to be don't good. <laughs> and then it's I've not seen healthy. <laughs> too many pictures of catfish and what they look like, and they are creatures of the deep. Yeah, they're bottom feeders. And okay. Like, I know that, you know, I eat crabs. I'm from Maryland, and there is nothing like a nice crab cake. But I know what I'm getting into with the crab um, and shrimp. And, you know, there's reasons the Jews don't eat them. I get it. I get it. But valid points you guys are making on the um, being in the South and being inland and not wanting to really just... Go crazy on the seafood diet. Yeah, and I'm also a nurse, and there's just certain things that smell like fish. Ooh. That once <laughs> Gross. you're exposed Ooh. to that, it just, you just can't do it anymore. I didn't really know what route you were going down, because I was, as soon as you said, <laughs> I'm a nurse, and I was thinking, actually, yeah, like, when I was a I studied biology in college, and so zoology was one of the most disturbing <laughs> classes I've ever taken. And you know, just thinking about the parasites that are in fish—that's yeah. scary. That's that's um, yeah, that's bad too. So I, I was, you know, already down that route, but uh, yours is a little grosser and uh, pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah, I just no. Anyway, I think like all that goes to the point of really, there's. No good one size fits all. We're all different and we're all individuals and we all are made up differently. And so, you know, it reminded me of one of one thing I learned in um, molecular genetics was one of the coolest classes I've ever taken. It was just like mind blow fact after mind blowing fact. And so that's where I learned that. Um, so like people that are lactose intolerant are actually the norm like people who are lactose tolerant we like i'm tolerant of lactose like i am the aberrate like the genetic aberration so at some point in our early european early human history yeah it became advantageous to be able to tolerate lactose and you know that might have just been what was readily available at a time where exactly. maybe there it was, was local. It was local to those it people. It was local. Yes. Yeah. And so it kind of just clicked and made sense for certain people and it became advantageous and they did well and they passed on those genes and here we are. And I love ice cream, you know, thank God for that random genetic um, <laughs> mutation that brought me the, <laughs> the pleasure and gift that is ice cream. But you know it just goes to show that that is something that's like that's written in my dna that i can take that and so 
food and um i have a friend who's a nutritionist and i do want to get her on sometime to talk about it and like really nerd out but like food is chemistry and (laughs) it's all how it's supposed to interact with your body and so embry like what you were describing and um what and I'll, i'll point you to and maybe in our show notes we'll refer back to our um we mentioned our friend who's growing all that food herself. You know, it, it, the soil composition, it's so important and people are forgetting that. And like you mentioned that even like right now, there's certain movements and maybe these city dwelling hipster kids are really into like organic farms. Yeah, but like rooftop gardening and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's like almost a romanticized and non-realistic view of it. And like they don't understand like what goes into it. They don't understand why it's so difficult for um you know farmers to be organic and to maintain um an organic status and you would probably know that better than i do um but like it's really they don't see how it's it's like a manufactured crisis and it's manufactured by this government interference and this leviathan that had and like the fda is one of the biggest um branches to point fingers at that really like inhibits our ability to consume good food but but they're the government and it's the food and drug administration and they're supposed to be here to save us right yeah but they don't care i mean it's fascinating i mean you (laughs) never would hear the fda talk about soil composition right because everything that they are actively promoting is the antithesis of that and it's the reason why all the soil in you know the American Midwest is being washed down the Mississippi River is because mm. they they are not interested in regenerative practices. They're only interested in you know making sure that as much product can get produced as possible of whatever you know they deem is worthy based on who was lobbied you know with the most money. Um, so yeah, I mean I, the government doesn't have any interest in soil health, and I think that they've made that perfectly evident. And you know, I was thinking, you know, just thinking about coming and talking to you all, and you know, when people start to hear about regenerative agriculture, and I'm talking about this in my conservative communities, you know, they're immediately like, oh, well, do you want the Green New Deal? You know, that's immediately oh, what they associate <sighs> with. It's like, man, yeah. I can't be out here trying to grow trees without immediately being associated with you know, the Green New Deal, which is really just the government pumping more money into solar energy, which is expensive and dirty to produce. And dirty. And, dirty. you know, and wind energy. And it's just like the Green New Deal has nothing to do with the individual taking responsibility and, you know, working in their local communities to have a regenerative agriculture um, you know, experience food market, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know, it, the, it's really just another huge lobbying opportunity. It's more money. Exactly. It's, it's more, more money. money that gets stolen from us to give to these rich people. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I, I don't think people want to think that hard. They just want, you know, mm-hmm. they just want the government to say this food's okay. And then they just will eat it because they don't want to think about what they're, what they're putting in their bodies. And, I, that's one I, I, one of the things I realized is that the majority of the population, they're not really interested in digging deeper and trying to understand things. And, and it especially is true with our health. Like that's why we have, that's why people will literally pay thousands of dollars 
for like a food guru guy to tell them what to eat or they'll pay thousands of dollars just to have food delivered to them in like prepackaged meals so they don't have to think about what they're getting and and sometimes those are like those prepackaged meals I subscribe meals. to food. I subscribe to Sunbasket <laughs> and that <laughs> But I was just going to say, like, I think some of those are actually good and they're moving in a better direction, but we really need more. We need to really, there needs to be a way to educate where people can, where people can like grasp it. Because, you know, if I'm sitting here talking about cytokines and and people's brains and like the gut biome, people are going to just glaze over and they're not going to listen because most people are not like us and care about that kind of stuff. So there does need to be some kind of way to reach people and make it simple for them. I don't know how that They need is. to wake up. Yeah. But people need to really wake up. They need up. to stop drinking fluorinated water. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, Berkey. I, it's, Berkey well, on it's everybody's difficult. doorstep. Self-responsibility. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, know. I, I think that that's where it all comes down to is it's like, are you going to take responsibility for yourself? for your own health? Or are you going to ask the government to do that for you? And I mean, I think that in so many ways that that's what the Green New Deal is about too. It's like, oh, I care about the environment. So what I can do is say, I'm going to vote for people who support the Green New Deal. But like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing on a local level, on an individual level, um, you know, to support um, environmentalism? Right. Well, I mean, just like, for example, like in my own house, I, I have to battle with my husband over certain things. Like he threw away my butter like a couple weeks ago because oh, yeah. it was in that. an inconvenient place. And then, of course, like I don't need it anyways because butter is just full of fat and it's bad for you. And it was like an organic. It was like this delicious organic butter. And I, you know, use it to cook and yeah. He just doesn't understand. Like, I have to explain to him, like, fat is not the enemy. In fact, all of our cells require fat to be part, like, that's the outside of the cell that keeps us healthy. And if you're using fat as, a, as your primary fat burner, like, if you're not eating as many carbs, fat is great because it breaks down really easy and it can be burned off and it be, can be used as fuel. For, your, for energy and it also it's like a the best way I know to describe it it's like it, it like burning diesel instead of like gas like that we use diesel actually does burn cleaner and it's better for the environment but it, for, it's more expensive but fat is kind of like that too it burns it burns it, it lasts longer it gives you a lot more energy that, that you can use for a longer period of time than you get from a carbohydrate for example I'm like trying to explain this to my husband and he acts like he doesn't care what I'm saying, but I noticed that he was buying instead of the no fat cottage cheese, he got the 2%. He got the fat. Yeah. (laughs) Good. So it's, you know, little victories. Yeah. We, I have a lot of fat in my diet. I I work really hard to, I mean, we, we eat a lot of butter and coconut oil and avocado. I mean, good fats, um, you know, they've been made out to be the enemy, but I think that they're absolutely essential um, to good digestive health. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that, um, you know, my whole system is much happier when, yep. um, it's lubricated with that fat. 
um, and you know, my intestines thank me uh, for, for making sure that I'm getting that healthy fat. Yeah, I think that that's uh, a common misconception um, that, you know, fat is the enemy. I think it's, it's truly sugar, <laughs> but yeah yeah, 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 good fat is good. Now, see, the problem was that people were having when they were doing like the Atkins diet is they were using protein as their primary source of fuel. And it's a lot harder on the body body to break down proteins uh, to make into energy. And it actually can like damage your kidneys. So it, that's why the ketogenic diet or a higher fat diet is good because you're, it's a lot, your body is made to actually use that. Cause, um, that's what we use. Like when I think about like the people that first came to America, like the, or even the native Americans, when they came here, they pro they had, they ate like a primarily high fat, high protein diet. And they had to, if they were in a, in a period of time where they were having to travel to um, another location, they'd have to walk for miles and miles and miles and it would help it, it slow burns and it gives them enough energy so they can, you know, not break down and fall over and die, you know? So that's definitely something that I think like we've just been completely sold a bag of lies when it comes to the, the carbohydrates is ready to use like energy. Well, I mean, we live a sedentary lifestyle, so we don't need that ready to <laughs> yeah, use just, energy all the time. Let's just pack them on. Yeah, we don't need it that yay, much. Yay, COVID-19. Just food for thought, you know, which I was also thinking like your brain, for example, is very high in fat. Like yep. all of those cells are lined and lined with fat. And so it actually does help you help your brain function better. Like she was talking about um, when you do have more fat in your diet. I definitely have noticed, like, I just feel so much like I can process things so much better. You know, and I think the fact that so many Americans are walking around with foggy minds um, and poor brain health. I mean, we all see it every day in our everyday lives, you know, poor brain health. I mean, that doesn't help the political situation at hand. Not at all. Because people cannot think no. clearly. They cannot. It's like, it's not, you know, it's not that they're, they're dumb or, you know, maybe they are or ignorant or maybe they are. But a lot of it has to do with, you know, we're inflamed, um, we're groggy, we're tired, we're not getting enough sleep. Irritable. And we, you know, if you don't have good brain health, how can you make a rational decision for yourself? How can you consider complex ideas? If you're just trying to get to your next energy drink or your next coffee or your next piece of cake, and listen, like, I'm not perfect. Like, I have a sugar addiction, absolutely no doubt about it. It's um, true, yeah. But, you know, if you're caught up in these cycles of addiction with food um, and food that doesn't feed your brain health, then you don't have space um, to think about these ideas that are, you know, broad scale ideas like shifting away from, you know, an authoritarian style of government that we currently have, you know, I mean, you don't have space yeah. to think about freedom and what your life would look like if you were free, uh, because your, your, your brain can't process those ideas. You're, you're trapped. Yeah. And I think like, I, like uh, when I was, you know, last 
Christmas season or holiday season when I was pretty much just eating whatever I wanted to. And actually, I, I, I want to clarify, I was actually, what I decided to do is I was like, I'm just going to be a calorie counter and I'm not, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and just keep it within certain calories, which goes to show you that not every calorie is the uh-uh. same. And, you know, just because you keep your calories under a certain, a certain number doesn't mean you're healthy. So, <laughs> um, but I was just thinking like, um, all of, when I'm thinking about like the people that I know in my life that are the most like, let's say that have the most like Trump derangement syndrome or the most like maybe Trump derangement syndrome towards like worshiping him and hating on the liberals. Like these people are, I I think about like those people who are like, so right now in this election season are so like violently angry at each other. I, I think I, I know for one example, like I have a friend who really was like, anti-Trump I started remembering like all of my life I've known her since high school I remember her drinking she drank out of the tap all the time like she was always drinking water from the tap like I'm like why don't you just buy bottles of water and she would just be like why would I waste money on bottled water and she would I remember when I decided I was going to go on a low-carb diet she would always criticize me because you know she was like one of those people that could just eat whatever and still be skinny. So she just ate whatever she wanted to. And like now that I'm thinking back, like her diet was horrible. She's drinking fluoride water <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, no wonder she can't handle like the littlest things in life. Like of all the things to get upset about, really, that matter so little to you on your daily life, who the who sits in the White House is one of those things that just doesn't matter. And she like, it just obsessed her. Like she just could not move on with life. And so I'm just thinking like, you know, looking back at all the people that I know that just don't know how to handle stress. I'm like, maybe that's what it is. You know, a large part of it. Like if we could, and even with COVID now, obesity being like one of the huge risk risk factors, Hello. Can't talk Why about that. Why are we that? not <laughs> talking because about this your, more? You're body shaming. Like you're not allowed to like yeah, bring up beauty that in you're... every size, Jesse. Yeah, on. I mean, big, and that's really big part big. of it. It's like we're shut down in that conversation so often um, of talking about mm-hmm. really talking about health and what that looks like. And I don't think it necessarily looks like a certain size, but you know, when you are obese, yeah. like when you are clinically diagnosed as obese and that's a, uh, you know, something that could be comorbid with COVID, then it's might be time to start thinking about like, maybe there are some things that I could be doing, you know, to make sure that, you know, I'm the healthiest that I can be, especially now that, you know, we're in a pandemic, you know, I I mean, I would think that everybody would want to be talking about how do I boost my immune system? You know, how do I boost my gut health? How do I take better care Mm -hmm. of myself so that I don't get sick? Or if I do get sick, that, you know, the symptoms aren't so strong that they land me in the hospital or keep me out of work or whatever that, whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, sometimes, like the thing that I just don't understand is if you, and I know this with like people and I'm, I don't feel I'm in my forties and I'm not that old. 
And I just know people that are in their 40s, and if they have to walk a mile, they're out of breath. Like, if you are that out of breath from, like, walking up the stairs or just walking briskly, you need to seriously consider losing some weight. Not to be sexy or any of that, but because you can't breathe. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I, I know some... I know a lot of women who are overweight per se, they they're beautiful. I don't it doesn't matter that you're beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I know women that are underweight and skinny and are beautiful and they're still not healthy. It that's I, I don't even know why we even use that phrase like beautiful at any size. Who gives a shit if you're beautiful? Are you healthy? Can you function? Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to show that like the way we perceive health is often like really egoic, like wrapped up in our ego. Like it's yeah. all about like what I look like, what my size is, you know, like getting that shot on Instagram of what I look like when I'm exercising in my outfit, doing my pose or whatever it is. And there's sort of not that real <laughs> focus on, am I really healthy? Like, do I feel good? I mean, I, I don't meet a lot of people in the world who are willing to talk about like, you know, if they actually feel good or not, like really like their health, yeah. like, or they don't even know because we're so busy and we're numbed out to it and we don't pay attention. Wow. I'm not feeling well, like something's off. Something's not quite right. I mean, most of us in this right. modern society aren't paying very close attention to that. And we don't even notice when we start getting the first symptoms of, you know, something where you're not going to end up feeling well, because we're, we're just not attuned to our bodies in that way. Um, mm -hmm. We're really disconnected, just like we're disconnected from our food source, we're disconnected from our bodies and how we're really feeling. And I think that those two things are connected together, because we're not conscious of what we're putting in our body, we're not conscious of the way that our body feels. Right. And I, I think that's the key is like, we've I think like we've just been taught not to really even consider it as that important. Yeah, not a big deal. Know. And it, and or just listen to ourselves because even just like not even just like with health, but it's like I mean, that's what me and Maddie have been like screaming from the mountaintops over and over again about about COVID. It's like you can't even trust your own eyes when you look at the data and you see like um, and they try to trick you on, on the CDC website. They'll say like death rates are like 0 0.0001 or something. And what really it is, is that like the recovery rate is like 99.9% or something like that. They, they try to skew it around so that if you're just don't want to think any further, you're just going to look at this number and not, and just ignore it. But that the bottom line is, is that nobody's like questioning anything. They don't trust their own judgment. They just, they want to just completely give up all of their decision-making over to people like Dr. Fauci because he's wearing this nice, crisp, white lab coat, and he's wearing glasses, and he has the name Dr. Fauci. So, we ha I mean, he must know what he's talking about, right? It's like we just suspend all of our ability to think for ourselves. Um, I was thinking, like, we used to say, you know, trust your gut, but... It seems like our gut, the mic, that microbiome that you were talking about, Embry, like that's been dismantled. And so there's nothing there to trust. 
And so no wonder people really feel like they can't trust themselves. They can't trust their neighbors. They can't trust anybody except they somehow can trust the government because their government's the one that's feeding them all this disinformation, these lies, and, you know, really strongly suggesting that they're the only ones that can be trusted and you know your neighbor is a nazi or your neighbor is a thug and you know but and so if you're plugged into that system and that's all you're getting if you're all if you're only getting this um this news that they're prescribing for you to receive you're not trusting your gut clearly um or not listening to it perhaps telling you that this isn't right, This you know differently, you know better, this is not what you experience in real life, but again, it's that disconnect from our mind and our bodies and our surroundings. We're just disconnected from everything, and I think, you know, it's all just, like, compounded, yeah. uh, and no wonder, I mean, this year in particular, but, like, no wonder just depression rates are what they are suicide rates are what they are um substance abuse problems you know people are addicted to anything that makes them feel other than the (laughs) absolute nothingness that would be there if you're not connected to yourself and your body and your mind and like feel deeply rooted to the world and your surroundings and your family and your friends and you know it's it's an attack. It really is like terrorism on all of us. And the separateness is devastating. This, like now the more separateness than ever. that it creates inside now of your more own than self. Ever. And yes. the separateness that it creates between us as human beings is devastating. I mean, there's not another way to put it. It's devastating. And, you know, it's 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 rough out there. I mean, it's rough to to live in this world when you're walking around with eyes that are open and realize how separate we all are and how separate people feel from each other. Um, And the masks have made it worse. Dehumanizing. Yeah. It's so dehumanizing. Like we don't, people, it it was harder for, I'm always the kind of person that, you know, tries to make it a point, like wave at people, make contact, smile at them. But it's now easier than ever for them to not acknowledge that I'm looking at them and trying to actually brighten their day. You're you're fucking welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, you know, everybody just goes about their way and is literally like this little drone, this little ant that um, doesn't want to connect. And, and I don't know, it's a really 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 depressing when you think about it like that but um you know yeah and these people are probably eating garbage yep, i'm sure like, they are i, I mean I they s- call it the covid 19 for a reason the I mean. front pouch like in their pants and you're not supposed <laughs> to have one of those but yeah. i see it i see your mask and i see your front pouch people when i remember at the very beginning when we were trying to stock up and you know, make sure we had enough food. I remember like going to the produce section and it was like literally untouched. Plenty of produce. Then you go into the middle aisles where all the rice and the pasta the soda. and 
the potato chips <laughs> and all that is just almost gone. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that's that's where my prior- priorities are. And I mean, I am addicted to sugar too, yes. so I yeah. get it. I would. I'm out. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. All that stuff. The reason yeah. why this stuff it goes off the shelves because it's delicious, and, and your brain gets it addicted to it. Literally, things. like literally, oh, yeah. the chemicals, the dopamine gets released from the sugar. Yeah. And I mean, we know based on human biology that it's because sugar is such a rare phenomenon in nature, and you know, it was just a mm-hmm. very rare occasion that our ancestors got to enjoy um, sugar, and now it's readily available to us all the time, and when you're living, you know, with brain fog and you're living mm-hmm. from a state of reactivity and you have poor gut health and poor brain health, then you can't say no. You can't resist. You can't make a conscious, rational decision to say, not today, sugar, <laughs> not today. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I mean, all of us yeah. are fighting that, you know, as people who are are on a Western diet and were raised on a Western diet. I mean, I've been eating sugar since I was a little kid. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a drug. It's tough to kick. It creates chemical responses in your brain and gives you a dopamine hit. And I mean, I think that that just relates back to why it's, why the food movement is so important, why the local food movement is so important. Because if we are going to claim our power back as humans, we have to be doing something different with the way that we are producing and consuming food. Because what we're doing right now is not working. And, you know, I know so many people in this space would say that it's because the government is not regulating enough, but Ugh. it's exactly the opposite, right? It's that they've regulated yeah. us into this problem. Yes. And so the only solution right. is an individual solution. It's individual action. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Bill uh, Mollison is the founder of Permaculture and he found it in the 1970s. And when he was teaching this and talking about this stuff, um, he said that this is never going to be something that we can institutionalize, this movement. This is always going to be something that happens on a grassroots level because it has to come from within inside the people that are practicing it in order for it to work. Because, you know, it's not mm-hmm. about money. It's not about, you know, producing more and more capital. It really is about taking care of the earth so you can take care of your own body. But I love going back to that, that this is not something that we can change via the government. It's just not. Like, it's something that's mm-hmm. going to have to change on an individual level if we expect something to change. Yeah. The government is not going to regulate healthier foods onto our plate. They've, they've proven the exact, that they're going to do the exact opposite. They're criminally bad at it. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, I think, you know, that's a good place to start wrapping up. Embry, um, you mentioned the name of your Instagram account. I was wondering if uh, you wanted to replug that, plug anything else, anywhere else we can find you. Um, and or any other like really good resources that you recommend um, if anybody listening is interested in kind of getting started themselves or like what rabbit hole to start at. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me and my husband, Chris, at uh, Wabi Sabi Permaculture on Instagram. Um, that's really the only public platform that um, we're on. Um, some really great resources if you're interested in permaculture are um, – 
Facebook has some really great groups. I did write them down so that I could share them with people. Um, one of oh, them nice. is called Permaculture for Beginners, and that's ran by a man named Matt Powers, and he is an amazing permaculture teacher, um, and he has a YouTube channel, and he's written a couple of books that you can download for free that sort of set you up with the basics of you know what permaculture design principles are about. He, he is inspiring, um, and his... Uh, his demeanor is absolutely like just amazing to listen to. He draws you in immediately. So his name is Matt Powers. Um, and then I've also been learning from a man named William Hovarth. Um, so you can look him up as well. That's H-O-B-A-R-T-H. Um, and he has some really uh, interesting courses on his website as well. Um, and then you can just Google up Bill Mollison. Um, he's the founder of Permaculture and you'll come up with all kinds of, um, interesting resources. And then I do just want to say that, um, I went and did a permaculture apprenticeship with Bill and Becky Wilson at Midwest Permaculture, and you can find them on Instagram and Facebook as well. They're located in Illinois. Um, I went and stayed in their community for three weeks. And on my Instagram page, I do have a blog of that experience if you're interested in that. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing with the whole COVID situation these days, but they were amazing teachers and they really inspired me to come home and get started. That's awesome. So we are on Instagram at the Voluntary Vixens. We're also on Facebook as Voluntary Vixens and Parlor at Voluntary Vixens, even though I think... It's been a while since I've posted anything on Parlor. Sorry. We're just um, there for when we get booted off the other platforms because that <laughs> is happening. Oh, we just, I, it's not as effect, or yeah, I feel, I feel like we don't feel the effects as strongly this week, but we just went through a strong shadow ban on Instagram. And so shout out to everybody who, um, you know, push, who signed up for our notifications to see our posts who shared our stuff to their stories and, you know, like really tagged us. And we did feel um, like mm-hmm. we broke through it a little bit and um, definitely always appreciate you guys for doing stuff like that. We are also on Twitter at the at Vixens Voluntary. And if you want to um, donate to us, we're on Patreon at Vixens underscore voluntary. Um, and if, you know, we pretty much just kind of let that money accrue until there's like a need for somebody in our community that might need some help. We did, um, over the pandemic, we helped, um, one of our friends move out of a, her house to get an apartment because she was leaving an abusive relationship. And that's not what you want to be doing when you're locked up. So hmm. we helped her escape that whole situation. So just know that, you know, we're not going to be using that money to buy mansions or yachts or anything like that <laughs> uh, yet or really so. expensive ice cream nancy pelosi oh, <sighs> anyway yeah. she's awful as are most of them but she's <laughs> especially heinous the worst um, yeah the worst um, <laughs> quick, quick shout yeah. out to crazy nancy and that awesome meltdown she had with wolf blitzer this oh that was great years. Like I loved good, it. <laughs> good for him for being like somewhat just not somewhat I know. not walking been like letting her walk all over him. But um she definitely wasn't ready for that. It was brilliant and beautiful and you know, um so keep that in mind. Like these people 
are responsible for legislation that really has direct effects on our lives, what we eat, what we consume, what we sell, what we're allowed to sell, what we're allowed to... I mean, it's getting to the point where, you know, it really has an effect on, like, what we're allowed to talk about, what information we're allowed to share. Yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, right? I mean... Mm, God So, I think, as we've said before, like, continuing this theme... These people are not our friends. They're not here to help us. In fact, like, usually they're doing a lot more damage than good. And so what we can do is at least try to fortify our own relationships, whether it's with ourselves, with our community, with our family. Um, Try to find and create some stability in our own worlds. And I think... What Embry brought to the table um, with permaculture here today was a perfect example of like, these are things you can do yourself um, to be a voluntarist, to be a libertarian, to be, you know, an anarchist, to be a sovereign individual. And, you know, that is what we're here to promote, because at the end of the day, we're all going to do better if we're all individually doing better. And so, yeah. Um, again, follow Embry. We'll leave her information in our show notes. Um, you know, uh, good talking to everybody as always. We'll talk to you next time, but in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, keep it voluntary. Mm -hmm.